want to share something that I got this week when I was picking songs. Um, I had decided that I was going to ask God kind of what I would be worshiping out of, what I would be leading out of for this week, or what he wants. And um, here it is. Um, What I got was God wants to build a culture of the Spirit of people worshiping as they live out their daily lives, people who bring the Holy Spirit with them and are aware of his presence and power with them. Um, Also the idea that there are generations of so many people before us and at the same time as us um, who are Christians who are carrying the Holy Spirit around and walking with the same mission because it's been 2,000 years but it's still the same spirit um, and then I also got Habakkuk 3.13 which is you went forth for the salvation of your people for the salvation and rescue of your anointed and that includes um, Jews and everybody else in the world for the last 2,000 years and for who knows how long to come and right now I think that's called the cloud of witnesses, actually, if you want a name for the lots of people.
to join us
into the room everything changes darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring when you walk into the room every heart starts burning and nothing matters more than just sit here at your feet and worship you worship you
when you walk into the room everything changes darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring and when you walk into the room every heart starts burning and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you just pray Holy Spirit that you'll continue to speak to us continue to lead us and to guide us we thank you Lord as we are going to be celebrating around the table at the end of the service we thank you for your great love your mercy the plan of salvation that we can know you that we can have relationships you set us apart and that we have that great hope the hope that begins now when we come into that relationship but hope also knowing God that we are in your hands and if we are in your hands then we know that God that we win where we win we win thank you Lord because of your death, your resurrection, that there's a victory. And the victory starts now. You placed us in that position of, fi- of victory. And yes, there are battles along the way, but in the end, we win. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for that, that we win. So, Lord, we just ask today that as we continue to turn into your word, as we worship you in our giving, we pray for those, Lord, who 
need our prayers, who need God's intervention. We think of Elaine at this time, the loss of her mom, and we just ask God for your comfort. We ask Holy Spirit that you'll be with her and with her family as they go through this time of mourning and grief and loss. We pray for those who are not able to be with us this morning for whatever reasons. We, there may be those who are going through some challenges in their life, maybe some discouragement. Maybe the weather was just a factor. But Lord, whatever the circumstances are, we lift them up. We lift up those who are absent among us today. We ask, Lord, that you would work in their lives. And Lord, we lift up this church to you. We lift up this congregation. We lift up this mission that you have given to us to reach this community. And so, Lord, we pray that you will foster a, a unified effort, that there will be unity in the Spirit. Because, Lord, you said that as the Father sent me, so I send you. And it was to your advantage that I would go away, but if I go away, I'll send the Comforter. So we're not alone. You have not left us resourceless. You've given us an abundant supply. And so, Father, tonight or to this, this morning, we just ask that you would enable us, you would give us the courage, you would give us the fortitude, you'd give us all that we need to be able to do what you've asked us to do in obedience to you and out of our love for you. As we've expressed this morning, our love for you, may we walk that love out in love to others. We ask it all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 This time we're going to ask, um, I'm just going to turn to um, our bulletin very briefly. Just a few announcements this morning, just a few announcements. And of course, um, we do have the date saved for the prayer at the fair. And uh, if you remember, following the, the fair, there was a number of folks who were prayed for number of folks who had needs in the community and it's a fantastic opportunity to be able to touch the community with the love of Jesus and so we just want to make you aware of that just keep that in mind and I know that uh, if you have if you want to get involved please let Carol know we, it'd be great to even figure some of those things out well in advance also um, membership form membership forms are available and if you have not yet received a application um, please see Penny when the time is uh, appropriate to connect with her and get uh, uh, membership forms you can pick them up uh, in the church office and I want to encourage you to do that because really membership is all about ownership it's all about, it's really that's what it is it's all about ownership and uh just um, partnering together and it's partnership it's ownership and it's partnership and uh, we want to be uh, a church that's uh, unified and moving in the direction that God wants us to go because we do have a great a great mission and that is to reach people for Jesus 
How many would agree with that this morning? Reaching people for Jesus. Uh, eternity is a long time to be without Christ. And so we want to do all that we can. Also, of course, uh, on the back you'll note uh, youth event coming up at the Vegreville Alliance in, in March. Also, plan to protect forms um, on applications. If you've taken the course, we encourage you to uh, just get the forms and things filled out and signed in. And uh, because we do want to be sure that uh, we have some folks that are available that can help out with uh, some different ministry. My, my wife and I have been talking about children's uh, ministry, and I know that uh, uh, we just need we just need uh, a, even a small team, even one more person to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get involved in that because I believe that the next generation is uh, extremely valuable. It's wonderful that we can have children to come into the worship service, but it's another thing to be able to teach them at their level. How many would agree that it's difficult? I, I don't think I'd want to have been five and went to university to study calculus, right? So um, much the same with kids. Like I have a nine-year-old who tells me, Dad, uh, you know, I, I just find your sermons boring. So uh, if uh, you want to counter that a little bit, that's, that's fine. But he lets me know that, uh, you know, he gets a little bit tired of Dad talking a long, long time. He's not even paying attention now, and I mentioned his name. Uh, there he is, yeah. So um, we want to we be able to bring the gospel to the kids at their, at their, late, at their age level, their, under, their understanding, amen? And so we just want to be, so if we have uh, young families that come into the church, and, and it would be so incredible uh, to be able to offer um, something for their kids so that they can have their kids learning and, and the parents worshiping and that sort of thing. So just keep that in prayer. Keep that in mind. And so we do want to be a safe environment, which means that we do want to plan to protect them. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Christian church has taken some hits because of a lack of appropriate uh, supervision. And sometimes uh, people can slip through the cracks and bad things can happen. But we don't want that to happen here. So we want to have a plan, uh, not only to protect those that enter the doors, but we want to protect the uh, reputation of Jesus Christ. And we want to, repu we want to protect uh, the reputation of the gospel because it is good news. Amen? We don't want to be bad news. I've seen it where churches have gotten into the news and it's been bad news. And the community then, oh, oh, no, right? This is not good stuff. But we want to be good news. So we want to protect those who come in and protect our volunteers as well. And so that's really what that, uh, that's what that really is all about. And so if you could prayerfully uh, consider that, uh, that would be wonderful. Just going to ask our ushers to come this time. We're going to receive our, our morning tithe and offering. And we can put that on the screen. We're going to say that together. We're going to partner with Jesus so let's pray this together. As we receive today's offering, we're believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created. Dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations. Anointings, giftings, and calls. Positions and promotions. Visions and resources to go to the nations souls and more souls from every generation 
saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, thank you, Father. As I join my value system to yours, that you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me. To see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Every souls and more souls. I like that. Sores and souls and not sores, but souls. Souls and more souls from every generation carrying kingdom revival. Amen. Just to, to give you a little bit of a, a, a maybe a heads up. Hoping that in March we are going to be able to uh, offer during the midweek. I'm not sure if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday just yet, but um, I was talking with a pastor from down in Grand Cash, I believe that it is, and uh, I've been wanting to do this study here for probably since I got here, and it's about John Bevere, it's called The Bait of Satan, I don't know if anybody's heard all that book or the, the study, 12 Sessions, has to do with offenses, has to do with forgiveness, has to do with reconciliation, there'd be no way I could deliver that as well as John Bevere does, and so we're hoping to have that study running sometime in March. So just keep uh, keep uh, that in mind and pray about that. do want to maybe even open that up a little bit to the community. Who, anyone who might want to take that in, I know will be incredible benefit and blessing. Because, um, you know, one of the things that we discover when we, when we come into uh, any sorts of relationships, it's easy, how many would agree it's easy to become offended? Anybody? Yeah. Um, Sometimes we, things happen, and, and uh, then the question is, is how are we going to deal with that? And so, uh, looking at March or so. But this morning, I wanted to uh, for us to turn, and I think it'll be on the screen as well. This morning, I want to talk about winning by surrender. Winning by surrender. First Corinthians nine, verses nineteen. And we're going to look down at verse, down to verse 23. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he writes this. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. And so, Lord, we ask your help once again that this word would become not only something that, God, that we would be able to grasp intellectually, but, Lord, that we would be able to have it applied to our walk with you. Help us to see ourselves and what we need to do 
to be able to apply this truth to our lives. And in so doing, Lord, that we can say with Paul that we do this for the sake of the gospel, that we may share in his blessings. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So to set this a little bit into context, I like to do that because here we are, we're pulling a, a passage of Scripture out of the context. We're pulling this, this, uh, this passage. And so just to give a little bit of idea of where it fits. Um, Paul, back in chapter 8, and not that you have to go there, but back in chapter 8, Paul begins to talk to write to the Corinthians concerning the idea of personal freedom versus corporate benefits. How many would agree today that we live in a very individualistic culture? And how many know that if you, if you look at the word church, you won't find I. There's no I in church. And one of the things I notice that if you read the New Testament, in fact, if you read Corinthians as an example when Paul says you and I've done this that oftentimes we will I'll think of myself me as an individual but Paul is actually writing to the church he's writing to this group of people and so Paul in chapter 8 he's making some contrasts between personal freedoms and corporate benefits and one of the interesting things that Paul is talking about, he's talking about in that context, what do you do when it comes to food offered to idols? Now, if you know anything about the culture at that time, that for some Christians, it really was a bad thing for them to eat food that was offered to an idol. You remember that? As you were reading through that? It, if you, to set this in, in, in the vernacular, in the 21st century, it would have been maybe sort of like a disputable matter when I was growing up. Was it okay to go to the theater if you were a Christian? I remember my grandmother used to say, you know, you weren't even, we weren't even allowed to go to the bowling alley to, to go bowling because bowling was a worldly pleasure. Well, thinking about the theater, I remember a van load going from Lockport Pentecostal Church down to the IMAX in Halifax. And let me tell you, there was a number of people that were squirming in their van seats. And they were squirming because they had brought, been brought up thinking that, man, going to the theater, what if Jesus come and you were in the theater? Right? And so people would refrain from doing things because there would be either someone in the, in, the, in the church who was a new Christian and they, in their minds, believed that doing a certain thing was a sin. And so, in other words, there was a stumbling block principle that Paul was talking about. So, in other words, if it was going to cause someone to stumble, then I don't do it. And you know why? Because love trumps your freedom every single day time. Love trumps freedom. There were Christians who said, look, I have knowledge that the idol is nothing. Therefore, when I go, I can get the meat. I can buy that. I can eat that. And my conscience is absolutely fine. But there were those who believed that it was immoral. It was sin. 
to do that. And so therefore, Paul said, look, the best thing to do is don't be a stumbling block to anyone. Again, here's the point. Love trumps your freedom every single time. Love trumps freedom. Because the guiding principle of love over freedom means that it's more about others than it is about me. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up in Sunday school and we used to spell joy, Jesus, others, and you. We were to be last. You remember that one? Joy, Jesus, others, and you. So love always trumps freedom because while everything is permissible, Paul talked about not everything is beneficial. And so, basically, we're moving into a section where Paul is keeping this theme in mind. He's keeping this theme in mind concerning love, being other-centered, over being self-centered. And so he moves into verse 19, where he states this. Still with the freedom in mind here, liberty. He says, though I am free and belong to no man... I make myself a slave to everyone. If there's anything that you remember about this, think about that verse that he says. Though I am free, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone. Paul was free. He wasn't bound by the traditions. He wasn't bound by the customs. He wasn't bound by rituals. How many are glad this morning that we're, that we're free in Christ? We have, we've been set free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free from the sacrificial system. We've been set free from a lot of things. Some of them have been set free from sin some of us have been set free from addiction. Some of us have been set free. And, and, and we want to have that freedom. We value the freedom that we have in Christ. But Paul says this. He says, though I am free, I have made a conscious choice to be a slave to everyone. Whoa, that's weird. That's strange. So in essence, he's saying, though I don't need to conform to everyone's standards and ideals, what I have done, though, is I know something about how Jesus lived. And I know his example. And I know that though he was God, folks, you can't get any freer than being God. Jesus became a servant. And he did it for us, didn't he? Reminds me, thinking of love always trumping freedom. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with a, um, with a Bible college student who talked about how there were differences of opinions. Like, say, for example, if you, there was a guy who was a missionary over in Germany and he said, you know, if you were over in Germany and you were a Canadian and, and you had a television, they thought that was unchristian to have a television. Because in Germany, 
in Germany, certain kind of programming was highly accessible. And you probably have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about. But in our culture, there's many Christians who say, you know, um, alcohol is an example. Some Christians think, well, that's totally off limits. But they would have no problem having a mug of ale with their meal. Just don't have a television. Right? Freedoms. Freedoms. See, we're free to have the TV, but if we were over there out of love for our brothers, we, we, wouldn't, we shouldn't watch it, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Because again, love triumphs or trumps freedom. You cannot fail with love. Paul said love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. And one thing that we need to realize is that Paul, as an example to us today, did not flaunt his freedom. He did not flaunt his freedom. On the other hand, as I said before, he says, I enslave myself. I'm a slave to everyone. I bring myself under their submission to all men as though he were their servant and they were his master. And so this morning, I want to challenge us. I want to encourage us, but I want to give us a slight nudge. That if we're going to win, if we're going to win this race called the Christian life, then I want to suggest this morning that we win by surrender. That we win when we surrender. One of the first things we need to realize is we need to become servants. So we win by surrendering ourselves. First point is this. We win by surrendering ourselves to the service of others. Notice what Paul says in verse 20. He says this, he says, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Look at verse 21, he said, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. So I become like a Jew to win the Jews, I become like the weak to win the weak, I become all things to all people. So what does that mean? It mean to, to, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. It means that when Paul was trying to reach Jewish people, people who had not yet received Jesus as their Messiah, that he went along with their customs. He went along with their laws, so long as it didn't violate his walk with Christ. What did it mean to be like those under the law? And become like one under the law. It, not, it means doesn't mean that Paul was lawless. He still obeyed God's law. He was always under Christ's law. It simply means that he lived as a Gentile in order to reach them. It reminds me of missionaries when they go into a country and they eat the food, they live in the same kind of conditions. Why? Because they want to build the bridges. So Paul is a bridge builder here. 
Paul is building bridges to the Jews. He's building bridges to the Gentiles. He's building bridges to the weak. To the weak, I became weak. And there are some people, as an example, who will say, you know, I think it's wrong to do this or wrong to do that. And you're thinking in your mind, guess what, brother? You've got shackles and chains on you. You're bound by traditions, but guess what? Paul would have probably respected their conscience and said, guess what? I'm going to go along with you. Why? Because I am going to do my very best to build the bridge. And that bridge is a bridge of love. And that bridge is a bridge of love that's built out of his attitude of servanthood. So what does it mean to us today? It simply means that, folks, though the message never changes. How many agree this morning that the gospel has not changed? The gospel has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel never changes. But, folks, our culture changes. And because our culture changes... Sometimes how we go about reaching certain types of people means that we need to be flexible. Paul was flexible. Did his message change? Absolutely not. In fact, if you read Galatians, you'll notice that he defended staunchly the gospel that he received from Christ. But when it came to building bridges of love, he was flexible. He was flexible. Most of us don't like change. Anybody agree with that? You know, the church needs to change a little bit, maybe the way that we do some things, but most people don't like change. I've heard it said that the only one who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. Most of us don't like change. But how many know that the Christian life has changed? More than change is transformation, right? The Christian life is all about transformation. You were in the kingdom of darkness, now you're in the kingdom of the beloved son. You were darkness, now you are children of light. You can't get, I mean, that's a pretty good contrast. Light and darkness, right? That's a huge change. You were enemies of God. Now you're sons and daughters of the Most High. That's change. You are saved. You are justified right now. Though the court hasn't convened, there's a promise there. But you are saved. You are being saved. Therefore, meaning that we are in process. We haven't made it yet. Anybody here has arrived? Anybody say, I've arrived? We're, you know, it's interesting. God still uses imperfect people. because I think it's the only people he can find. You ever notice that? So John Maxwell said, God is still using imperfect people. It's the only people he can find. So we're all there. But salvation, sanctification, it's all change. I'm older than I was just a few moments ago, even by if it's only by a few seconds in a minute, right? Some of us have, you know, from last year to now, we've gotten a few more gray hairs. Some of us have lost some more hairs. I'm being reminded about that all the time. I think I might need to get like a, a can of spray paint or something and cover that in. Logan is now six foot one. He might be six foot two in a few 
months time I don't know he just seems like he keeps on growing but the higher he gets the more he can see the the field the open field amongst the trees up here he keeps reminding me of that and he keeps reminding me of just how short I become Hopefully, though, we've gotten a little wiser over the years. But change, how many would agree, is expected and it's normal. Change is normal. In fact, if you look at where we've come in 2,000 years, you notice that Jesus would sometimes he'd be preaching in a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and it would create what scholars would say as a natural amphitheater. And here I am standing with a, a handheld mic. Paul wrote, and he likely wrote on the scrolls with, with a quill and, and, and the ink, right? We use computers now, printers that can put out the ink onto the page. The early church would study from scrolls and parchments. Now you have electronic libraries. Things have changed, wouldn't you agree? Paul wore a toga. You wouldn't want to see my legs in a toga. Not a pretty sight. Evangelists during the colonial days would ride from place to place on horseback. We get around in modern automobiles. The point is this, is that things have changed. In order to be able to build bridges of love, we, need, we also need to be open to flexibility. So how do we win? First of all, I mentioned being a servant to others. But we also win by doing this. And I want to make this statement. I don't know if anybody's ever seen Star Trek or not. The 60 series. They, they had what they called the prime directive. To seek out new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before, right? That was what they did. Can I suggest this morning that the church has a prime directive and it's not on the starship enterprise going into deep space that our prime directive is what Jesus had commanded us to do in Matthew 28 and that is to go into the world and make disciples and Jesus told us in Acts 1 verse 8 that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us and that we would be his witnesses where at that time, it was in Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is in this community. It's in Vegreville. Would you agree with that this morning? Say amen. The power of the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That is the prime directive of the church. And if we, we will win. We will win when we surrender to what Jesus has commanded us to do. See, Paul's journey of surrender all started on the road to Damascus. You see, he's building bridges of love to the Jews. He's building bridges of love to the Gentiles. He's building bridges of love to those who are weak. But it all started on the road to Damascus. Because that wasn't who Paul was. Paul wasn't building bridges of love. Paul was breathing out murderous threats. Paul was putting uh, Christians into prison. He was trying to destroy what Jesus 
was trying to accomplish. And so here's Paul, and he's on the road to Damascus. And Jesus didn't just call him to salvation, but he called him to be a chosen instrument. In, verse, in, in chapter 9 of, of, of Acts, it says, Chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. And Paul talked about that mandate that he received to King Agrippa in Acts 26, in verse 12, where he said, On one of these journeys, as I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests about noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road, and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions, and we fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying in, to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant. There it is. And as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me, I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles. And look at this, he says, I am sending you to them. And here's the reason. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then he says to Agrippa, he says, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he's, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I may save some. You might say, well, Pastor Steve, this is Paul's calling to open up their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to the light, to rescue them from the power of Satan, for them to receive forgiveness of sins, for them to be counted among the family of God. That's Paul's, no, no, folks, that is our mission as well. Because Jesus told his followers, his disciples, to go into the world, preach the gospel, Mark 16. He says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Matthew 28. And therefore, go make disciples of all nations. That's the prime directive. That's the prime directive. That's why we exist. Can I, can I suggest this morning, the reason why this congregation is here at this time is that God has a calling and a mandate for us to be about the mission that he has called us on. And he has not left us alone. No. He has promised to be with us to the very end of the age. He has promised to resource us with the power of the Holy Spirit to go into this community and build bridges of love. Where they can walk on that bridge and they can find Jesus. I hope I'm not boring you this morning. But can I say this this morning? That folks, in order to be able to do that effectively, if people are going to be able to do that today, the question that we all need to ask of ourselves is, am I willing to win by surrender?
surrender. Remember, we started off with personal freedom versus corporate benefits. And folks, I want to suggest this morning that all of us deal, all of us wrestle with the flesh. And one of the things that the flesh, I've noted, is the, is, is the fact that the flesh wants us to think about ourselves more than others. I remember when I was in Sussex, New Brunswick. And there were some senior saints in the church. There was a lady who was well into her 90s. And there was her daughter, and she was involved in ministry to the children. And when we were there, the music in the church was cutting edge, like it is here. They were, it was, I mean, the first Sunday we were there, it was a a deacon in his 30s, rocking it out on the electric guitar. They were playing the drums, I mean, as loud as they, well, Ethan's a little softer than usual, but this guy, I mean, he played the drums. They were into it. They, this was modern, this was cutting edge. This was whatever was new, they wanted the new music, right? And so I asked one of them. I asked one of the ladies, I said, so, you know, the music in the church, you know, I said, uh, maybe it wasn't like an interview, but I said, is this really your cup of tea? She said, you know, I really like the old hymns. But you know something? If it brings young people into the church, I would rather see young people in the church than than for them to be out on the street, into the drugs, and into the booze and being up to no good. I would rather, I would rather give up the hymnal to see those young people in the church. And there were young people on the platform. Some of them wore socks and some of them didn't. And if they were, they were mismatched. Sometimes there was holes in their jeans. Sometimes they wore a hat or a toque. And I got complaints about that. Oh, how awful that it was for someone to wear a toque. And I ignored it. And you know why I ignored it? Because I believe that if Paul were there, Paul's attitude would have been, I become all things to all people that I might win some. And I was like, wow, what an attitude to have. That you'd be willing to give up. You'd be willing to surrender your personal preferences. Did I have a battle with personal preferences? You, you bet I did. But folks, that's what it comes down to. Are we willing to surrender our personal preferences? Are we willing to surrender our tastes? Maybe what we think it should be or how we want it. When we were at conference, we heard a story, and I shared it with Lincoln, I think, and Penny, Ed, and Cheryl. I want to share it this morning. It was a really great story. Paul Borden was uh, brought in to give us a little pep talk for over the three days or so. He's, uh, he has a ministry out of Northern California, growing healthy churches, and so he's talking about church revitalization and so on. But in, in some of the stories that he shared, there was one that, that stuck out to me, and I remember it fairly vividly. 
And it was of a church down in Australia. And the church in Australia was a Salvation Army church. 300 was seated in the auditorium, or could be seated in the auditorium or the sanctuary. And there was probably, a, well, there was a fraction of that present. 20, 30 people, maybe. He said the platform was built for 100 and they would have half, so 50% would be the men playing the brass, and 50% would be the ladies as the songsters. And so he said when he got there, there was 10 on the platform. Half were men, half were women. And they were wearing their full uniform because it was Sunday. And then seated in the center was the main officers of the church. And he got there and he said to them, he said, you know, because here they were in a community where they were Africans and they were Asians and it was multicultural. And he said, you know, whatever you are on the platform is what your congregation will become. And we have a problem. They were much, much older and they were much, much whiter than the community. And he said, in six months or whatever the time frame was, he said, I'd like to see, I'd like to see some people on the platform that are south of 40. Because they were all north of 70. South of 40. And it represent what the community looks like. And so, there was a decision that had to be made. How are we going to get there? And so, these talented brass musicians and talented vocalists went down and they visited a school or two. I just can't remember if it was one or two, but they, in the, anyway, they, they connected with children. And they said, how many of you would like to learn uh, or, or get free music lessons? There were nine-year-olds. There were 12-year-olds. 16 year olds that put up their hands and so the ladies caught on the songsters that caught on and so they decided that is there anyone that would like to receive free voice lessons and so hands were shooting up and so they gathered about 40 or 50 kids to provide free music lessons and they could play the guys that were part of the brass band played internationally they could play. So they began to teach the kids free music lessons. How many understand that that takes commitment? That takes sacrifice. I began to think about this just a little bit. thought to myself, well, there could have been some excuses along the way. How in the world can we relate to these kids? And if they come into a space maybe where there's our building, is there... Could there, could there be other requirements of us to make sure that everything is safe? It's possible. But nonetheless, they made a commitment to give these kids free music and voice lessons. Got to the point where these kids were getting kind of good. But then a wrench, a monkey wrench is thrown into the gears. And some of the Asian parents come and say, we don't want our kids learning to play brass. We want them to learn violin and flute because we could see our kids playing 
in some concert hall in the future. And so now, because a big fork in the road has come, what are we going to do? We've been the Salvation Army band for decades, years and years, ever since we came to Australia. It's been the Salvation Army band. So are we going to be the band? Or are we going to be the orchestra? They made a decision. They surrendered. They surrendered so that they might win some. And so they became the orchestra. And then they got to the point where they looked at the kids and they said, Whoa, like, we have enough children that we could divide them into two teams. So they approached the kids and said, Listen, what if we broke you into two teams? One team play one Sunday and one team play the other. And, and you come and you play with us on the platform in the church. Well, yeah, let's, that would be awesome. Yeah, we want. So what do they do? Sundays came. The kids are now. So now you've got not just a band. You've got the orchestra. And what happens when kids are playing on a stage? As Borden said, you've got a concert. Who comes to concerts? Parents. Grandparents, aunts and uncles. And he said, you know, maybe even the great, maybe the grandparents and great-grandparents. And so next thing you know, you've got people coming in to see their kids be playing on the platform on Sunday. But it didn't stop there. Not too far from their church was the only green space in the community. And there were people that would be out in the park doing Tai Chi, and there would be some Africans playing their drums. And so they decided, as it was suggested, well, why don't you go do outdoor services? And when you do some outdoor services, not every Sunday, but do some outdoor services, and, and, and supply some food. Everybody likes food. Well, they had to make some arrangements. They had to make some phone calls, maybe some emails, contact the community leaders to find out if they could use the, the park. The door opened up, but what about food? Well, there were permits that they had to get. And so they made sure the permits were taken care of. Why? Because they were surrendering. They were surrendering. They were making a sacrifice so that they might win some. And in so doing, they had their outdoor services, and some of the Africans came up and said, hey, can we play the drums with you? And the pastor's like, well, I guess so. And so they did. And when Borden said he went back, months later, to that little Salvation Army church where there were no young families, no children, 20 or 30 folks, he said when he stood up to preach, there were 168 people in the worship service. It's winning through surrender. Winning through surrender. Folks, can I make a suggestion this morning that it's the same way with us? If we're going to win, Paul said, I'm free. I'm free, but I choose to make myself a slave, a servant 
to everyone. To the Jew, I became like the Jew. To the Gentile or those who are not under the law, I became like those who are not under the law. To the weak, I became weak. Why? So that I might win some. That I might win some. Folks, can I make that suggestion this morning that yes, we are free. We are free, as I mentioned before, from, the conse- from sin and its consequences. We're free from false guilt. We're free from addictions. We're free from dead and dry religious rituals. Yes, but we are free to live for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. We are free this morning. We are free to serve Jesus and obey what he has asked of us to do. That is why we are set free. That we may be able to share the gospel and share in the blessings of the gospel. To win as many as possible into the kingdom of God. We we win. We win by serving others. We win by surrendering our personal preferences. And we also win, folks, we win by surrendering our rights in our freedoms, and we have no better example than that of Jesus. And very quickly, just to highlight that, you just remember in Philippians 2, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form, as Paul did, as a bond servant, a slave. And folks, a slave didn't have much for rights, but Jesus became a slave, not for his own sake, he became a slave for our sake. A slave for our sake. He gave up his right to be in glory. Instead, he said that birds have, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He gave up his rights to the pursuit of wealth and material possessions. He gave up his right to marriage. He even gave up, at many points, his reputation with the religious crowd, the religious authorities. And because he did that, because he surrendered to the will of God, even obedience to death on the cross, that is when God exalted him. Can I challenge us this morning that if we are going to obey God's call, if we're going to win, if we're going to see the victory come, we can stand together this morning and closing this out. That we win when we surrender. You want to stand with me this morning? We win by surrender. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, Kristen on the piano. I believe that there was a song that might be appropriate. I believe you heard, I heard you rehearsing it earlier. I can't quite remember what it was. But Jesus, Jesus has called us to surrender. To surrender. To surrender our rights. To surrender our freedoms. To surrender our preferences. To surrender our comforts. He's called us to surrender so that we can win. We, we can win our friends. That we can win our family members. That we can win our co-workers. That we can win children. 
in this community. That we can win those who are destitute and in need. Those who are bound to addictions. Those who are suffering from mental health issues and depression and so on. Why? Because, folks, that is the calling of the church. The calling of the church is, this, as Jesus said, I, he said, I have come. Oh, and he went to Zacchaeus' house. Didn't they get some mad at him? This tax collector, this thief, this traitor to the Jewish people, gouging his Jewish countrymen, not just for the taxes to give to Rome, but to fill his own pocket to pad his home, to make himself wealthy. And here's Jesus, and he goes to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus becomes a changed man. And Zacchaeus says that he was going to make restitution for the things that he had taken. He was going to give four times the amount back. And Jesus recognizes the repentance in his heart. And he says, today, today salvation has come. He is a child of Abraham. What? Zacchaeus? Oh, yeah. And guess why? It's because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Can I suggest this morning that that is why Jesus surrendered to the will of the Father, became obedient to death upon the cross so that we could have freedom in Him, but not just freedom for our own sake, but freedom to serve Him and to be obedient to him because folks when we give our when we lay our lives down for the sake of the laws as Jesus did how many understand that there's going to come a day when we will be exalted with Christ and we will rule and reign forever with him we win we win we win can you say this this morning we win by surrender we win by surrender. Say that again. We win by surrender. We surrender. Who would say this morning, I want to see wins. I want to see friends won. Who says, I want to see my friends won to Christ? Can you lift your hand? I want to see my family members won to Christ. Keep your hand up. I want to see young families and their children come into this church and us to be able to nurture and, and, and to be impart the gospel truth to them so that they may come to a place where the Spirit reveals Himself and reveals Jesus to be real to them such a, in such a powerful way that we see kids now coming to Jesus and kids being filled with the Spirit and kids prophesying. How many would say, I want to win soul winner's crown I want to win a crown that I can lay at the feet of Jesus if that's your, if that's your heart this morning you want to if, can, I, can I just make a suggestion this morning folks if we're going to win we got to do it together In our district, our district superintendent got up and he talked about basically building a team across the district. 
Some are in Edmonton, some are in Calgary, some are in other places, some are in, in large places and small places. But guess what? The point is, when we pull together, when we pull it together, when we work together, we're better. We're better. Can I just make a suggestion this morning that I, I surely can't fulfill the mission and the vision that God has for this church alone? You can't do it alone. None of us can do it alone. But if we partner, if we partner together, become partners in this enterprise to take the gospel, to share life everlasting. You might say, well, you know, I just don't know if I relate to these kids. You know, they could have said that too, but they committed themselves. They said, you know, maybe it's going to take some hard work to get these permits so we can do food. But guess what they did? They did it. They did whatever they needed to do. They did what they needed to do. They didn't look at the obstacle. They didn't look at the thing they didn't like and say, I just don't think I want to do that. What they did is they said, you know something? The target is those young souls. The target is our community. And if it means that I need that I need to put in a couple of hours every week, I'll put the couple of hours in. If it means that I need to sacrifice something in order to see life come, I'll make the sacrifice. Because you know yourself, because you're in a farming community, that unless a seed goes in the ground, it dies. It doesn't produce anything. You know what Jesus is calling us? He's calling us to be like a seed. To get planted in the ground, die to ourselves. And when we die to ourselves, and we say yes to Jesus, Jesus, wherever you send me, wherever you call me, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I am in full surrender to the will of God. Knowing that, Lord, whatever you call me to do, you will resource me, you'll be with me, your presence will never leave me. And when I do it for you, I know there will be fruit. And that fruit will last for eternity. Hallelujah. Could we sing that song? Yeah. I think, I think that's the one. Let me just check out the words. You know, this is okay. This is, this is it. You got it. Can we put the words on the screen and could we sing this prayerfully this morning as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we celebrate the new covenant in his blood, as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, can I make the suggestion, he didn't just do it for you and me, those that are here. He's done it for those who are not even here yet. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Shed by sacrifice. Hallelujah. Jesus washes me.
communion time, I just want to ask as we've been singing that song that it is the blood of Jesus that washes me, it is the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus is my victory would there be someone in here this morning who has not come to that point in their life where they've said Lord Jesus I recognize my need of you, I recognize that I need your forgiveness. I need the blood of Jesus applied to my heart, my life. Because Lord, I don't want to live my life without a relationship with you. I want to know, I want to have an assurance that I am in Christ. I want to, I want to have eternal life. I want to know him. I want the blood of Jesus to wash me. Maybe there's someone here today and that is your desire. You are ready. You're ready to say yes to Jesus. You recognize that there's sin in your life. We've all sinned and fallen short of the God's glory. We've all sinned. We've all been there. And Christians, they still sin. We all do wrong, whether knowingly or unknowingly. But the wonderful thing is, is that when we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. That's even after. We can still come to Jesus. Gee, I'm sorry for what I did or said or whatever, the attitude I had. And he's, he's a loving Savior who desires to keep us washed and clean and growing to become like him. So none of us have arrived. Maybe you're here and this is the first time, first opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and you just want to lift up a hand and just say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Today, I want to say yes. Today, I want to reach out to him and ask him, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I want to live for you. I want to know you. I want to know. I want to have an assurance that I have eternal life today. Is there anyone, anyone at all? Anyone? anyone before we move into the communion service anyone at all and just before we do that is there anyone here this morning that would say I know people that are dear to me and they don't know Jesus they have not been washed in the blood of Jesus and as we move into communion we're not only going to receive these elements for ourselves but we're going to be prayerful about those people that we know that need Christ. Does anyone this morning say, I know people that need Jesus. Just lift up your hand. Just make it a matter of prayer very, very quickly here. Lord, we come 
not only to the table to receive, but we come prayerfully, Lord, interceding for those who don't know you, who have not been washed in the precious blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to win them, help us to reach them, help us, oh God, to love them into the kingdom of God. Help us to pray them in. Soften their hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to plant seeds that will bring life. If you know him this morning, you're welcome at the table. We're just going to ask everybody to come up. And um, so we're not going to serve the elements, but you're welcome to come right up and we're...